Welcome to History Sleuth, a podcast exploring the involvement of history and culture in current events. Today, I wanted to talk about Columbus Day, the history behind it, and what PragerU has to say about it in an absolutely hilarious video. Like, it's objectively funny, not just funny because it's wrong, though it's definitely that too. (laughs) But before we get into that, if you're on Twitter, follow me at Sleuth History to get updates about when I post new episodes and be part of this Twitter story and community. Also, don't forget to follow History Sleuth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. So... Let's get into it. The video that we're breaking down today is ironically from a playlist on PragerU's website called Mythbusting History, and it will be in the description if you want to watch it yourself, but I'll be playing pieces of it for you throughout this episode in between my commentary. Uh, First, though, I want to talk about the person who was the guest or speaker or whatever um, for PragerU for this video because he's an actual comedian and has a podcast himself, and this person is Steven Crowder. Uh, So let me tell you all about Steve before before we get into it, so that way you kind of know what to expect. Of course, we know, because this is from PragerU, that this guy is very conservative politically. According to Wikipedia, he used to work for Fox News, but now does the podcast Louder with Crowder. On YouTube, he was actually suspended and demonetized in 2019 for using slurs against a journalist. But that was resolved in August 2020, so I guess he recently just got back. Uh, Welcome back, buddy. Um, Also, this isn't entirely relevant, but is very funny and explains my title a little bit better. He's the... (laughs) You won't believe this. He's the origin of the change my mind meme in 2018, you know, where uh, the one where he sits behind a table with a sign. Lots of people have edited it for different opinions, but the one he had up originally said, uh, male privilege is a myth, change my mind. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a funny meme. And I think it's really funny that it relates to him. Anyway, so this guy, this is the guy that we're dealing with today. And I guess somewhere on the line, he became an expert on Columbus Day. So that's really exciting. Good for him. Uh, I'm really excited to learn from Steve today. <laughs> let's, let's watch this video. Here's his. His video that was posted in October 2018, titled Goodbye Columbus Day. Thanksgiving, Independence Day, Memorial Day. Holidays are a great time to riddle Americans with needless oppressive guilt. But the one that stands head and shoulders above the rest is Columbus Day. The day where progressives indoctrinate your children into believing Columbus to be Satan incarnate, the USA to be his evil spawn, and the Native Americans to be pacifists. And so now we have Indigenous Peoples Day, or as it would have been named 30 years ago, Aboriginals Day, or as it would have been named 10 or 15 years ago, Native Americans Day, or as it could be named tomorrow in Canada, First Nation Peoples Day. Okay, so we're already off to a great start. I wanted to address real fast this joke that he just made and that he'll make a couple times throughout this video where he doesn't know what new name to call Columbus Day because people want to rename it but have a lot of different suggestions. This is like a joke or whatever. He's not serious. But I also feel like it could come from genuine confusion. So I just want to put out there, it's always okay to ask, you know, if you don't know what something should be called. Language can be complicated, but what language we use informs how we think about things. And so it's, it's really important to be intentional with the things that we say. I've always been bothered by calling Native Americans Indians or American Indians because that seems needlessly confusing when there's an actual country called India with Indians that are in no way connected to indigenous people in the Americas. So instead, I normally say Native Americans if we're talking about people that live in what is now the U.S. or indigenous people for something more general that could apply to lots of other countries as well. Um, There are other options, too, as you'll hear. Crowder continues to make this joke, (laughs) and so some of those are also accurate. Some of them are slightly offensive, but indigenous is always correct, I think, so feel free to just, feel free to just do that. I'm going to talk about the whole Satan incarnate thing in a second, but let's listen a little bit more. Feeling the urge to self-inflict grievous bodily harm yet? 
That's only natural because the whole charade has become an exercise in hating Western civilization, which is really just an exercise in hating yourself. <laughs> so that one, that's like Gen Z humor right there <laughs> that that's thrown in. So this has come up a lot lately in my podcast that like studying history or, or changing the historical narratives that we other understand is really about hating America or hating Western civilization or hating yourself. Inflicting needless guilt, as Crowder said. It's so interesting to me. Why is that this people's first reaction when they come up against a hard truth? Acknowledging the ugly parts of history doesn't require any kind of emotional response. You weren't there. <laughs> it's not about you. Don't make it about you. It's, it's so, so interesting. Whether or not America is a good country now, or whether or not you should be proud to be an American shouldn't be so dependent on us having a perfect spotless history, right? That's an impossible <laughs> thing to ask of any country, of any group of people, um, because everybody makes mistakes and sometimes these mistakes are quite huge and terrible. I've said it before. I've said it a lot. I don't think you can love something or someone well without acknowledging its flaws and the mistakes in the past. And so I, don't, I just really don't get the whole like hating America rhetoric or hating yourself. <laughs> don't hate yourself, buddy. You weren't there. You didn't do this. Uh, okay, yeah, let's keep going. First, as far as Columbus goes, the guy deserves some credit, right? Flawed, to be sure, but he was the greatest navigator of his age, the first person to cross the Atlantic from the continent of Europe, and he did so without any maps and only three small ships. If you can name them, by the way, comment below, as I'm sure your professor can't. But your professor probably has taught you the tale of Columbus as a villain usually as a starting off point to indict the United States as a whole, often relying on a few key myths and some pivotal lies by omission. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop you right there. What's with the needless attack on professors? I love my professors. I'm sure they could name Columbus's three ships, but is this relevant information? Does the naming of his ships change our perspective on him somehow? Like, like historically, what is the weight of knowing this information or not? That seems very, very strange to me. Um, and just to grab for some, some internet interactions, <laughs> which, you know, by the way, if you want to toss them my way, feel free <laughs> to comment the name of Columbus ships or tweet them at me or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the attack on the professors really gets me. Like, why... Does he assume that people are teaching history with an agenda? Is that because that's what he's doing? Questions. I also wanted to point out, too, that according to Crowder, the real story behind Columbus is built on myths and lies by omission. But as you'll see as we continue through this video, the way that he presents history also dips into myths and lies by omissions. I believe uh, that is called irony. <laughs> I don't have any more notes on this on this first section because we're about to get into some some really more serious things. But I don't know. I've listened to this a couple times now and and just like thinking through like the energy that he brings into this topic. Like he's really ready to fight somebody. He's really all fired up about this and I just it's a strange energy to bring into a history discussion. I know I do this all of the time, okay? I keep fooling myself when I look at political things or things that politicians have said about history, and I'm like, why is it so political? Because I'm dumb, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> I do this to myself every time. I understand PragerU has, like, a political agenda or something. Actually, I'm not really sure. Actually, I don't really understand PragerU at all. <laughs> I don't know what their agenda is, but they definitely have one, and uh, I just don't understand why they have to use history to forward their agenda and why they come at it with such fire. Like, we could have a calm discussion about Columbus. His his character and what we think of him doesn't matter. He doesn't care, first off, because he's dead. People connected to him, related to him, well, I mean, there still could be people related to him, but I don't know that they 
have strong opinions. All these events happened a long, long time ago. So if we say, hey, these were bad events, like, why does it, why does it matter so much to you? Why are you so personally offended? Why do you get so fired up to, to talk about these things? That's so strange to me. Okay, so I want to get back to the video. But for this next part, I want to give a little trigger warning for any of my indigenous listeners out there. We're jumping straight into talking about genocide and violence. So I'll give you a second. If that is just not your cup of tea right now, feel free to Listen to a different episode of my podcast, or skip ahead. So, to start with, I'll bet that you probably believe Columbus and other European settlers to simply have committed mass genocide against Native Americans, sorry, indigenous. But here's the truth. While there were many examples of brutal warfare between Europeans and Native Americans, neither side actually committed genocide. In fact, there was never an outright policy of Indian extermination. The Native Americans were mostly wiped out through infectious diseases that the settlers had inadvertently brought with them. Of the estimated 250,000 natives in Hispaniola, Columbus's first stop in the Americas in 1492, new infectious diseases wiped out a staggering 95% of their population by 1517. As far as genocide by violence, you can look at any historical account of even the most one-sided battles and find that they were still just that. Battles! Take Wounded Knee, although hundreds of years later, I only bring it up because I know that if I don't, you will. It's become ubiquitous with the idea of Native American genocide. After all, there were 150 to 350 aboriginals killed or wounded. That's terrible. But there were also 25 American soldiers killed and 39 wounded. That's not genocide. That's a one-sided beatdown with old glory wielding the hammer. And sometimes the massacres went the other direction. See the Apaches for reference, or the Comanches, or a dozen or so other tribes. So the natives often gave as good as they got. Not exactly the way genocide usually tends to work. Okay, so there's a lot here. A lot that's that's probably already seeming a little rough to you. (laughs) Okay, so let's break this down. His main claims here seem to be that there was never a policy of genocide against indigenous people. And though he does say that 95% of the population was wiped out by disease, he says that settlers inadvertently brought that disease. He says that one-sided battles are still battles and mentions wounded knee which, which is relevant, I'll give him that. I appreciate that he brought it up, because I, I would have if he didn't, uh, like he said. So, I mean, we could definitely talk about that if you want to, uh, Steve. And so lastly, in this huge chunk, he insinuated that Native Americans massacred people as well, which makes it fine. I have questions, as I'm sure you do, and this is a mess. So let's take a moment and define our terms. over to dictionary.com, we find that genocide is defined as, quote, the deliberate and systematic extermination of a national, racial, political, or cultural group. And massacre is defined as the unnecessary, indiscriminate killing of a large number of human beings or animals, as in barbarous warfare or persecution or revenge or plunder. So I think what Crowder was trying to argue here is that though 95% or more of indigenous populations were killed with the exploration and colonization process of the supposed new world, that because it wasn't deliberately done, it wasn't genocide. Okay, and sure, we'll give him that. Not every European coming over to the Americas wanted to kill everybody. Some of them wanted to convert natives to Christianity. Some wanted trade and economic success. But there were others that wanted to own this land. 
And as things got going, the European nations that got involved were involved because they wanted to have land and eventually colonies. And as the race became more about land and colonization for Europeans, they had to deal with the fact that there were already people on the land that they wanted. And one of the ways they dealt with that was by killing them, either outrightly or when they resisted. No, I don't think that the kings of European nations all woke up one morning and said, yes, let's commit genocide today. But genocide was the result of the choices they made to invade and colonize. Indigenous people were systematically killed through colonization, which does fit the dictionary definition of genocide because it was deliberate, it was systematic and of a specific group, which is the indigenous people, sometimes specific tribes at a time. But there was a kind of sense that the Native Americans were in the way for what the settlers wanted to do. And so while there wasn't so much like a written out piece of paper in which they were like, this is what we're doing today, and it's genocide. It is what happened, and it was kind of part of the plan. It definitely worked along with their plan. Murdering everybody who lived on a cert- in a certain place did help people take over that place. That's really hard to deny. Um, and I don't think something that we should deny lightly. If you think I am wrong, I would ask that you consider the weightiness of this discussion and, and do some research before you come at me. And then his point about wounded knee, one-sided battles, and Native Americans massacring each other. We can see from the definition of massacre, again, the unnecessary, indiscriminate killing of a large number of human beings, that a massacre can still happen if victims fight back. Uh, do, you, do you honestly expect anybody facing a massacre to just sit there and be like, wow, we're really doing this today, <laughs> right? People are going to do something about it. Um, it doesn't become a battle just because they resist death. That makes sense. That is logical. It is still a massacre when the losses on one side are significantly bigger than the other. Which is why I think it's so funny that he does bring this up and mention the numbers, because I feel like the numbers speak for themselves. We had about 250 people who, uh, indigenous people who died, and 20 American soldiers who died. 250 to 20. I'm not a math major, so I'm not going to do the math, but I'm pretty sure that's a huge difference, <laughs> which, which qualifies it to be a massacre. It's so odd to me. I also want to add, just because indigenous people also committed violence does not mean they did not suffer genocide. Those things do not relate to one another. A group does not have to be entirely innocent to be the victim of a genocide. I see this kind of thought process pop up now from time to time in situations like police brutality, for example, where people will try to insinuate that the person who suffered unjustly at the hands of the police might not be all that innocent, when the bigger problem here is that we have a system that protects police violence. We're not talking about that one person. We're talking about this whole system, but people will try to bring that conversation back to that one person and and insinuate that they, they can't be a victim because they weren't entirely innocent. It's the same thing that Crowder is saying here with the Native Americans. He brings this back up, which I'll, I'll briefly refer back to this point again, but like just because Native Americans might have gone to war with other Native American tribes, or they might have done something against another Amer- a Native American tribe that, you know, wasn't wonderful, doesn't mean that they can't also be the victims of genocide. So whether or not Native Americans committed violent acts against one another does not relate to the fact that Europeans came in and committed genocide against them. Those things can both be true. Let's go back now to the specific massacre that Crowder mentioned, formerly known as the Battle of Wounded Knee. So according to Wikipedia, here's a a big long quote on on all of this. The Wounded Knee Massacre, also known as the Battle of Wounded Knee, was a domestic massacre of nearly 300 Lakota people by soldiers of the United States Army. It occurred on December 29, 1890, near Wounded Knee Creek on the Lakota Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in the U.S. state of South Dakota, following a botched attempt to disarm the Lakota camp. 
On the morning of December 29th, the U.S. Cavalry troops went into the camp to disarm the Lakota. One version of the events claims that during the process of disarming the Lakota, a deaf tribesman named Black Coyote was reluctant to give up his rifle, claiming he had paid a lot for it. Simultaneously, an old man was performing a ritual called the Ghost Dance. Black Coyote's rifle went off at that point, and the U.S. Army began shooting at the Native Americans. The Lakota warriors fought back, but many had already been stripped of their guns and disarmed. By the time the massacre was over, more than 250 men, women, and children of the Lakota had been killed, and 51 were wounded, some of whom died later. Some estimates placed the number of the dead as high as 300. 25 soldiers also died, and 31 were wounded. Six of the wounded later died. 20 soldiers were awarded the Medal of Honor. Oh my gosh, can you believe In 2001, the National Congress of American Indians passed two resolutions condemning the military awards and called on the U.S. government to rescind them. The Wounded Knee Battlefield site of the massacre has been designated a National Historical Landmark by the U.S. Department of the Interior. In 1990, both houses of the U.S. Congress passed a resolution on the historical centennial, formally expressing deep regret for that massacre. So this historical event and how our understanding of it has changed over time from calling it a battle to calling it a massacre, that's a good example of that change. Um, It's honestly a good example of what we should be doing with Columbus Day today. The massacre was previously called a a battle, like Crowder tried to suggest it was, but as we've discovered already, people can still fight back in a massacre, and it can still be a massacre. It's about the destruction and death toll, which at Wounded Knee was quite extreme. There's still a lot of work to be done, I believe, on researching the history of Native Americans and their difficult relationship with the U.S. government. This Wikipedia article is by no means sufficient education in this area. Some of the information is even doubtful, too. It kind of suggests, like, according to, to some stories, according to, to one way or the other. Um, it's really important that we, that we continue to look into this because there was a way of understanding it that has persisted throughout our history, right? For about 100 years, this was called the Battle of Wounded Knee. Some people will still call it that way, which, which suggests that there was a kind of equality between, between the Lakota people and the U.S. Army. But while in reality, the U.S. Army came to take away the weapons of the Lakota people, who were not a military force, right? This is a military force against a group of people, men, women, and children, just living in their communities, and things went wrong, and a lot of them died. I think that that information we need to take in and, and really consider um, as we reevaluate what this historical event was and, and what it means for the history of Native Americans and the history of the United States' involvement um, with Native Americans. I, I do really appreciate, actually, that Crowder brought up this event because I don't think I would have thought of it otherwise, actually. And it's, it's, yeah, it's just a really good example of like how we need to continually rethink how we understand history. That was really helpful. So thanks, Steve. Let's get back to Steve. Let's see. He's got more questionable things to say about Columbus Day. Sorry, American Indians, sorry, I don't know what, take your pick, lived in harmony with the environment until Columbus arrived. And European settlers destroyed the land with their evil technology. Truth, not only did the natives brutally take out people, but they took out entire forests and hunted species to extinction. Squatting Bear and his First Nation buddies weren't hopping into kayaks to block whaling ships, probably because they were too busy killing seals to waterproof their kayaks. You also probably believe that the Native American, sorry, two-spirited First Nation something or other culture was a beautiful, pantheistic one of peace. The truth is, not so much. When Columbus arrived, the islands were inhabited by two main tribes. The Arawaks, who were passive and friendly, and the Caribs, who were vicious cannibals. The Arawaks actually lived in fear of the Caribs for, you guessed it, the reasons being that they hunted them down to enslave them and eat them. Yes, eat them. Ironically, we get the name Caribbean Islands from those famous people eaters. The only way settlers 
were able to conquer this land was through the help of Native Americans who teamed up with them to settle the score with other tribes who were even bigger jerks than they were. That's not even to mention the populations in Central and South America famous for ritual human sacrifice. You think Cortez was able to command and conquer with only 500 or so conquistadors? Of course not. It took 50,000 screaming, angry allied natives who'd had it up to here with being tortured, enslaved, and forced to carry gold for the other native Aztecs. At some point, they decided to roll the dice and go with the guys sporting funny beards and metal hats. Okay, so there was a lot there. I think to summarize, Crowder says that indigenous people committed violence against one another, against the environment, and had cultural practices today that viewers or listeners today would find very disturbing. So, okay, there's a lot here. You can, you can I think, more clearly see the, the agenda pushing of this. Um, at the beginning, uh, he says, I bet you were made to believe, which is so interesting to me. You were made to believe. You were, you were brainwashed. You were convinced of this. That's kind of the message that I think he, he starts to, to push here, which is, which is kind of disturbing. And also kind of pushes against, like, well, what, what are you doing, Steve? Are you trying to make me believe something? Are you trying to brainwash me <laughs> by telling me other people have brainwashed me? I got questions for you. Yeah, okay, let's break this down. So in some parts here, you know, Crowder is right. Different indigenous tribes did ally with European nations for different goals, whether that was against other indigenous tribes or European nations or for economic reasons or whatever. The history of colonization and indigenous people is definitely more complex than just genocide and destruction. Just like Indigenous people were way more complex than being victims of genocide. I think that's really important to remember. As far as the comments about the environment goes, I actually don't really know a lot about Indigenous people in the environment. I do know that the, the hunting, hunting things to extinction, I'm pretty sure a lot more of that started happening with like settlers. Um, and that was a way, too, that the United States government tried to control Native American populations. It was like hunting buffalo or bison or something to extin extinction. So I'm a little wary on that, but I'm not confident. So I'm not going to really fight him on that part. And then all of the different cultural things he mentioned. Uh, Carter's not wrong to point out that some of these cultural things existed, but he definitely picked the most shocking ones for the sake of this video. Cannibalism wasn't super common, and neither was human sacrifice. Those things did happen. Yeah, sure. He is telling the truth in that way, but he is focusing on on the shocking things he's not giving a fair account of history which is a really interesting thing too i think when some people argue about history they say well this thing happened i gotcha <laughs> this is a fact like yeah th that definitely is a fact but the way that you're presenting this fact is a problem because it it speaks to this overall narrative that you're trying to to push that's a problem so that's really interesting to me again indigenous cultures were more complicated than whatever broad strokes crowder is painting though he's pulling from the truth he's presenting the truth with his own agenda of shocking and scaring people which is what he accused historians of doing at the beginning right creating myths and lies by omission here he did lie by omission he didn't tell us that not all native americans did human sacrifice or were cannibals he just told us about the ones that are so that's all we know about my biggest question, though, I think from, from this section, because my brain is starting to melt, <laughs> I don't know what else to pick apart in this section. My biggest question is, wasn't this video supposed to be about Columbus? Why are we talking about Native Americans so much? And why is everything he's saying about Native Americans a negative overgeneralization? I do not know the answers to these questions. So let's finish up this video. I think we've just got a, a little bit left until the end. is to say that 
the early settlers were perfect, or that they didn't carry out their fair share of pretty scummy stuff, but to use America's mistakes as the brush with which to paint the entirety of its history while completely ignoring the indigenous lifestyle of barbarism and borderline evil is inaccurate at best, dishonest at worst. There were plenty of bloody, horrendous battles between the Europeans and the Indians. When a Neolithic tribe encounters a more technologically advanced people, the guys with the boom-boom sticks usually win. Columbus is not the issue here and never was. This whole Indigenous People's Day charade is about teaching your children to despise Western civilization and anybody who dare defend it. But, and again, that could just be my Western civ privilege talking. Happy Columbus Day. I'm Steven Crowder for Prager University. <laughs> All right, and that's it. That's it. There's a lot here in that last few sentences. But I want to focus first on the part where he says this whole Indigenous People's Day charade is about teaching your children to despise Western civilization and anybody who dare defend it. So the first time I watched this video, my first thought here was, what children? I don't have any children. <laughs> and then I realized a little bit more. I started picking up on, um, and the other times that I watched it, I've watched this way too many times. But I started picking up on the kind of like, you're being manipulated, you're being brainwashed, your children are in danger vibes that he's giving with this video. So I, I've started to realize more who this video is for and what kind of effect it was hoping to have. By twisting this argument about Columbus Day to make people afraid, Crowder is ignoring the truth and instead trying to get people emotionally involved. Someone who's really concerned about being patriotic or whatever now is going to block out any criticism of Columbus because they don't want to be considered someone who despises Western civilization. I'm curious, is this abhorrence of Western civilization also created when people are taught about the Holocaust? I think we know as a culture that it's downright anti-Semitic to downplay the horror of the Holocaust. We treat that much differently than we do the fate of Native Americans, which is very curious to me. And I do, I do think it is really important to learn about the Holocaust, as I do think it's important to learn about what happened to, to indigenous people when um, America was colonized. If we really wanted to make someone hate America, why would we do all this work to find historical facts? It would be much easier to lie. It would be so much easier to lie and just create stories and myths. Like, that's what people do to make people love a country, is they just create myths out of stuff that actually happened and tell a bunch of lies. So, like, why would we not do the same thing to make people hate America? It would be a lot less work, that's all I'm saying. Historians aren't interested in lying. They're interested in facts, good and bad. We don't want myths about our country or what actually happened. Learning about indigenous people will not lead to the hatred of Western civilization or whatever. It might lead to some grief and sadness, but maybe that's okay. And ultimately, like, it's not about you or me. He's right. It's not even about Columbus. It's about coming to terms with the history of our country and, and understanding the flaws so that we can understand how we need to move forward. I want to um, talk about, I didn't, make notes about this, but listening to it again, I really don't want to let this stuff go. A lot of this, um, these things that he said in, in this last paragraph or so, what's really nice about Prager University is that they have transcripts of their, their videos just right on their website. So I'm just going to look back and, and, and read some of this. It makes it really easy to do commentary <laughs> on their videos. Okay, so he said, to use America's mistakes as the brush with which to paint the entirety of its history while completely ignoring indigenous lifestyle of barbarism and borderline evil is inaccurate at best, dishonest at worst. He really snuck in right there, calling Native American culture evil and barbaric, which sounds like the kind of propaganda that Europeans would be saying to, to rationalize colonizing people, colonizing Native Americans. They would, they would call them uncivil and their way of life just like not as good as the Europeans generally. And that is not a fair and even way to 
to take in cultures of different people. Just because someone is not like you does not mean that they're barbaric. Just because their way of life is not like yours does not mean that they're barbaric or less human or evil even. So to, to sneak that in there, I think is really kind of dangerous because then people just kind of like they hear that and maybe don't think about it and then just have that in their head that Native American culture was barbaric and evil. And that's awful. That's really, really bad. And I think this this other sentence he said too, I didn't write notes about it, but just thinking about it now, I don't want it to let it go. He said, when a Neolithic tribe encounters a more technologically advanced people, the guy with the boom boom sticks usually win. So it's kind of, he's being light with it, right? He's telling a joke, but he's trying to say, and again, this is another way that, that colonizers would kind of excuse their behavior and the results of their behavior is that like, well, you know, it was a battle. When you're competing, there's a winner and a loser. And the Europeans were winners. And the Native Americans were losers. They just had better technology. What can you do? Like, that's not genocide. But listen, it still is genocide. Losing, oh man, should never result in genocide. The Europeans, the, the colonizers specifically, they didn't have to kill everybody. They didn't have to take over people's land. These are choices that they made, and it wasn't, it shouldn't have been a kind of competition. This is not a game where, where the Europeans just came better prepared. This was, this is way more serious than that. And, and I think I've heard this kind of stuff before where like, well, the Native Americans just should have had better weapons or whatever. And I don't think, I think that that's not the kind of narrative that we, that we should be saying. I think a different way to look at it would be that the Europeans saw that they had better technology and more resources and that they could take advantage of the Native Americans if they wanted to, that they could absolutely crush them and conquer them if they wanted to. And then they did. They saw that these people were, were vulnerable in a sense because of the, the technological advancements that they held. And so they took advantage of that vulnerability. I didn't realize I was going to get so heated about this, but I'm starting to get heated. Okay, let's wrap it up. To conclude, nobody is saying that we should change Columbus Day to Indigenous People's Day or whatever you want to call it because Indigenous people were perfect and Columbus was a monster. Um, the argument for an Indigenous People's Day is that Indigenous people have suffered because of people like Columbus, not all on Columbus, but figures like him. And it seems odd to honor Columbus or figures like him without recognizing or lamenting the harm that stemmed from that historical moment. More than anything, I think changing Columbus Day into something else is about honoring the millions that were killed unjustly for the land we now live on. It's about grieving the past, not in a way that makes us feel guilty or hateful, but simply in recognition of this tragedy that occurred. This is a bit of a, of a dark example, but like nobody goes to a funeral and says, wow, this is really hateful of cancer, you guys. Why you got to be so hateful against cancer? That would be terrible. A funeral is to honor the person who passed away. And in a similar way, we shouldn't be focusing on what a villain Columbus was, but instead recognize what tragedy we hold in our history. Um, and I think a really, really important thing that Crowder forgot here is that indigenous people are alive today. There are not very many of them, but they are here. <laughs> They're out here living their lives. Some people still participate in, in their cultures and keep those traditions alive as well. Um, and they're trying to wrestle with this history as well. They're trying to wrestle with this history along with us. It's unfair and disrespectful to them to treat their history in this way and to not give them opportunities to grieve the loss of their people and their cultures. All right, that's all I've got for you guys. Thank you so much for sleuthing with me today. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're curious about this topic or want to double check my sources, I've linked everything I've used in the description. Uh, Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and um, wherever you get your podcasts so that you know when a new episode comes out, especially for the next episode, because next time we are going to tackle another video from PragerU with some very special guests that I'm really excited to introduce to you and have on my podcast. So I'll see you then, and I hope you have a great day. Bye!